0: This time, we stream our way through Netflix's Space Force. And along the way, we ask, how is Mark Nair different from Michael Scott? What's the line between satire and parody? And is John Malkovich the new everyman of Hollywood? Let's get boots on this podcast in this edition of Force Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined by my friend and co-host,
1: Spaceman, Sean Michael Culp. <laughs> Spaceman.
0: Ah. Boom, baby. <laughs> and yes, oh today on today's episode, we are talking about the brand new Netflix series, Space Force.
1: That's right. It's a brand new uh, Divergent from the Path that we've usually done. It's our first uh, TV show.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted to take a break from uh, Major Samantha for an episode and provide not exactly a bite-sized review, but just a a relevant review. Maybe give people the opportunity to watch something that Netflix is telling them to watch.
1: Yeah, and it's... uh... Uh, yeah, and I think I forget who who coined this. Maybe it was Jeremy that sent us the trailer in our text thread. But he was like, "This looks like a good uh, show. You guys should check it out." And it just ended up working out. We figured, what the hell? Let's let's give it a shot. See what we think. And we I know we've talked about uh, moving over to reviewing TV shows for a while. So now I'm happy that we finally made that crossover. I mean, you know, it's been over a year that we've had this puppy going, so what the hell, let's adapt.
0: Yeah, and I think with with Space Force, these episodes are pretty easy to digest. The longest one is only about 35 minutes long, so you can easily knock out watching the entire series in a day or so.
1: Oh, that's what I did. It was an easy, like, four hours just to digest, and like you said, it's very simple. Very. It was a good choice. For sure. So, thank you, Jeremy. We wish you were here.
0: <laughs> so, before we continue on with the episode, we're going to provide a brief spoiler alert for anybody who has may not watch the series just yet. We may be spoiling some things in this episode. So, if you'd like to keep your experience of Space Force spoiler free, go ahead and stop listening here. Enjoy one of our older episodes and come on back and listen to this one once you've watched the show. So, When General Mark Naird is made the head of the newly formed Space Force, he must contend with the president's mandate of putting boots on the moon, as well as dealing with a headstrong scientist, a rebellious daughter, Russian espionage, and a volatile love life, all while facing down the final frontier. So on paper, this seems like a really, this could be a very funny show to watch and enjoy. Yeah, it could
1: be funny, it could be dramatic, You know, like a thriller. I mean, all those elements that are thrust into that synopsis kind of could take this series any direction, and they chose comedy. So you it is. You are correct. It, it has everything there, all the pieces to go someplace. And where did it go, Chris? Where
0: did it go? Well, I think comedy was the right choice here, comedy satire, because I think... I mean, I don't know how you reacted to when the current administration announced that they would be forming a space force. But I I feel like that there was like a collective eye roll amongst the general population of why. Why? What is the point of putting putting soldiers into outer space?
1: It's still it's the funniest thing ever. I couldn't believe it. It was the to this day. It's just it's just Trump, man. It's like who he is. The guy just says crazy stuff, and we're like, no way. In the military, it was the best, like, two weeks on Facebook that I've ever. Like, the memes were insane, the videos. Oh, it was it was incredible, man. Like, we were all just joking about how this Space Force is just not going to happen. It's going to be like Star Trek. We're going to shoot eat MREs on the moon, and it's here. It's actually happening, which is kind of hilarious in itself.
0: Yeah, and this is the problem when you create a brand new branch of anything, really, is you have to define the mission. And I don't think anybody is really clear on what no. the mission of Space Force is going to be. <laughs>
1: uh, well, that's because we're like, isn't NASA a thing? Like, what? <laughs> what about NASA? But I guess we needed guns on the moon or something.
0: Yeah, and I don't think anybody realizes the science of guns Guns don't exactly work in space, so...
1: (laughs) I get it. The idea is we're transitioning to now the outer space and putting money maybe into space travel and all that, so they wanted to militarize space, like, everything. But, I mean, it was funny. It was a good two weeks. And, hey, it's here. I mean, they're incentivizing people to transfer over to the branch.
0: Well, and and the show really doesn't address that like that concept either at least not until later in the series anyway i think it's more kind of diving into the absurdity of militarizing space period you have uh you have the the main character of mark naird who finally gets out of being in the shadow of his number two at the air force and is like i'm gonna make this my own thing like this is gonna be mark naird space force and also coupled with that is John Malkovich's character of Dr. Mallory saying, no, we can actually do these things and the science only lets us do such and such and such and such.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's a big contrast of like military mind versus actual science. And that's kind of the push and pull throughout the. Uh, TV series, you just see that Steve Carell, Mark Naird, and John Malkovich, uh, Ma- Doctor Mallory, just going butting heads. But I think that's like some of the highlights of the series. Like those two, they nailed down their relationship perfectly in the show. That had me rolling, at least. I don't know about you.
0: I think they nailed the entire cast. Um, and and this is one of the few shows where I say, where I will say that it is a well casted series. I mean, obviously with Steve Carell as Mark Naird John Malkovich also Ben Schwartz as uh the social media guy which is just hysterical uh we yeah. also have Aaron Naird his daughter portrayed by Diana Silvers also Tawny Newsom who plays Captain Ali even Lisa Kudrow when in I would have hoped that she had a bigger role in the series. She is funny in her moments. And then all the members of the Joint Chiefs who I just I was laughing any any of those Joint Chiefs meeting because it didn't seem like that they were uh, on script. They were just riffing off of each other and it was brilliant.
1: Oh, it was the the overall hatred for the Coast Guard. Just I was rolling in laughter, man. It was so frickin funny.
0: Now is that can you speak to the authenticity of that? Like, is there an actual <laughs> like dislike or you know, put upon this of the Coast Guard by the other military <laughs> branches?
1: No, the big dislike in the military is for the uh Air Force. Everyone like pokes fun at the Air Force because all they do is we joke, we're like steak and lobster dinner. You guys sit in your freaking five star hotels, never break a sweat, while everyone else is dying out there like sleeping in freaking tents uh but the coast guard i now work with coast guards coasties and i've never actually i only saw like two coasties in my six-year career so far until now the coast guard is very underfunded (laughs) and the joke in the coast guard themselves is like yeah we're like the ugly stepsister branch that no one likes (laughs) because that's terrible they're like, we're the forgotten child. We we get the cushy job. We get to stay home, you know, guard the nation. And the every most people make fun of the Coast Guard because we're like, what do you do? But in actuality, everyone wants to join the Coast Guard because they all have like sweet gigs, cushy jobs, great pay. So it's like, man, you guys rock. That's why I, I'm bummed. After talking with the Coast Guards now, I'm like, I should have joined, man. Should have joined. They don't even have to take a PT test. What the hell, man?
0: Yeah, not to deviate too much from the show, but the Coast Guard actually does have a very essential job in protecting the waterways because they're actually the ones who are responsible for like stopping drug boats and rescuing stranded ships out during storms. So
1: yeah, the yeah. job
0: of the Coast Guard can't be understated enough.
1: No, they're great, and that's the thing. They do a lot of hard work, if not more than most people, most of the branches all the time. So I got a lot of respect for those guys. But the movie, the the TV show, is great because they just poo pooed on that Coast Guard <laughs> general all the time. <laughs> no Coast Guard allowed. Right, uh, just made my day. Uh,
0: and it's interesting too. I mean, not only does Steve Carell have to contend with his his fellow joint chiefs, but he also has to deal with you know a pretty you know major upheaval in his family life I mean he starts off you know in washington d c everybody's ready for a cushy position there, and then turns out they're moving in the middle of you know Tumbleweed, Colorado, where there's literally nothing to do, oh yeah, especially if
1: you're like a city person and you've grown so long with an area it becomes your home. That was, I think those moments were some of the best when they really dive down and explore these characters, but not too far down the rabbit hole. Um, I would say with this show, one of their best, So that's like kind of their bright moments where they don't go too far in depth, kind of like, um, like Westworld or something where it's like a slow moving pace, a giant overarching story. This is just more like it's uh the sh- i would say it's divided into like segments the it's like almost three acts the entire 10 episodes of like how they establish characters the mission etc and we could talk more on that
0: yeah uh, uh yeah it's um yeah a lot of the character development isn't re- is really saved towards the second half of the series and mhm and the front, ha- the front half of the series is really kind of laden up with a bunch of jokes where we're getting to know the characters. And, I mean, we see how dramatically things change right away for his family. We find out that his wife somehow is incarcerated. Yeah. Because I guess she, I don't, did you ever catch if it was mentioned <laughs> why she's in jail?
1: So, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, no, they don't. They don't mention that. That's kind of uh some of the plot points in this series where it leads nowhere kind of like with the russian boyfriend of his daughter that just kind of leads nowhere setting up the character so no they never they never mentioned i'm guessing maybe they were setting it up for maybe season two but it nothing was stated
0: yeah i mean and it's 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 just unclear as to why she's spending the next 40 years of her life in jail it is (laughs) I mean, I don't know, she got mixed up in drug trafficking or she did right? something in Washington, D.C. and got transferred because of her husband's connections. Who knows? It's just like, it's oh, by stayed. the way, by the way, my wife's in jail. <laughs> and then, I mean, those, that, that
1: episode where he visits his wife in jail was really great, where she uh, kind of threw me for a loop, because that's not something that I've seen in many shows, but it's like a tender moment-esque where the wife says she wants an open marriage with Steve Carell. (laughs) And it's, yeah, and and you're just like, what? And I think the show, why it's so brilliant, um, and I could even compare this to Steve Carell's performance in Office to this, is he actually changes and grows within the season. It doesn't take seven seasons for his character to kind of change. This, like, the first five episodes, he's very rigid until he gets in the habitat with the people and he starts opening up emotionally and then by episode eight with his wife and she wants an open marriage he's kind of like okay fine 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 and then he starts to process and think and it 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 ends up being kind of silly especially at the end the payoff when the security guard gets in the helicopter (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: it's like oh she helped me escape (laughs)
1: but i do agree with you um the series is very much set up the beginning is kind of jokey it's asking answering the questions very f- focused on the space force like the um setting up the operations while introducing the exposition yada yada but then the last the next four are very um deep in with Setting up these characters and having them change and grow, and then the final two is more mission based and the politics involved.
0: Yeah, it's especially after the episode where the Air Force arrives for, I guess, like space wars or something, um, where they just drill against each other. Um, it's after that is where we see this transition into character development and less on this focus on the absurdity of the militarization of space.
1: Yes. Yes, and how crazy it is. <laughs> Such an insane idea. Though I did like, um, those were big turning moments, turning points in that episode with John Melkovich's character buying into the Space Force and Steve Carell's character learning how to let go and actually understand that this is space, these are different people. It's not, you know, the Air Force.
0: There's just so much pressure on Nair to show off you know the badassery of space force or lack thereof because we see that even even the the efforts to militarize space are just you know half-hearted attempts he talks about that net that's supposed to be launched from the satellite we see that net briefly at the end of the first episode and it's it's like a paltry net it's more like a hammock as opposed to a net and then that that killer missile that Nerd was desperate to show off blows up on the launch pad it's i mean beyond that we don't see much else like of an effort to militarize that that branch of the the military we don't see any type of laser weapons or any sort of like craft except for the one that shoots them to the moon but that's really it as far as the whole militarization aspect goes throughout the series
1: yeah other than yeah the 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 war with the Air Force where they test the suits the habitat episode you're right there's really they don't really dive into too much other than maybe when the monkey tries to fix the satellite <laughs> oh, that was
0: I think that was the best episode dude, of dude. the series is when they're try- <laughs> they're trying to coach the monkey to fix the satellite.
1: That was yes, that is that was the funniest episode in this frickin' series. Just amazing. How's your day going? I have a POW monkey that's <laughs> gotten abducted <laughs> by the Chinese.
0: <laughs> oh, but that, that poor husky they set up I with know. the chimpanzee. <laughs> you, you Just see that <laughs> fluffy little tail floating by. <laughs> just it's I like know. oh Theodore's dead. <laughs>
1: I take it back. I take it all back. You <laughs> sick monkey. <laughs> just just a great episode, man. Oh, my God. That's that's actually the episode. The second one is what I really bought into the series. Because the first, it was so-so. You know, like every pilot episode, it's, it's usually tough to uh, be good. But that second one, after that, I'm like, I have to watch more of these. This is great.
0: I was just a fan of how nothing and no one is safe from the satire in this show because there is everybody is like just is gets some type of parody thrown their way. I mean, the the sheer thought of Space Force, obviously, the entire premise of the series. But then we also see members of Congress, the yeah members of Senate, those budget hearings, and then also I think one of the <laughs> other the better episodes of the series, I think it was episode seven, Edison James is when they have that Elizabeth Holmes type character show up to demonstrate like their skinny fuel or whatever they called it. And mm-hmm. then turns out it was, a, you know, a bunch of, you know, sa snake oil and didn't really do anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a good character episode where they really, they started coming together and working together as a team. And you see, just the rise and fall of, like, Dr. Mallory, he worships this woman and then starts asking questions and realizes she's a fraud and they don't need her, you know? Like, Mark, Ner- he realizes, oh, you know, it's okay. Yeah, like, they actually cover for her and everything. It's That was a good tender episode, I would say. It's a nice tender one.
0: Yeah, they threw her a solid, but at the same time they told her, yeah, you, uh, you're not going to have anything to do with Space Force because you're a fraud.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're an absolute fraud. <laughs> uh I liked the um I did enjoy how they spoofed and satired a lot of people. That that Congress uh one was really good. There there were parts where I did think it went a little too far with like how he kept coughing or like tapping, I think maybe it was tapping which at times it was pretty funny, but then sometimes I'm like, dude, just talk, man. Go, Dr. Mallory. We get it. But I loved it. I loved the the turnaround, the speech. I thought it was great for his character, Steve Carell's, and it was funny how they made fun of AOC and Pelosi. That was great, too.
0: Well, they also made fun of uh, Chuck Schumer. He was the the older uh, congressman visit but but chuck schumer is actually a senator but still yeah
1: how he kept saying the earth is flat and like god that was great (laughs) no it's not oh god i love that episode too there's just so many oh yeah like how the protesters all came in like the um what were they the amish people were protesting and they're like oh that's wednesday today's thursday (laughs)
0: Yeah, they were dressed up like those handmaids from the handmaid's tale and they, i think they were protesting contraceptive rights yeah yeah <laughs> it's like it's wrong yeah, day. Just, pro, just making fun of protest culture like no that's another day get out of here <laughs> just
1: a good episode that really just pokes fun at everyone and hits everything on the head
0: um love. Well, and I also it. too i mean they could have they could have I like that they reserve their criticism of the president because he's never. I mean, they we all know who the show is talking about, but it's never explicitly mentioned that it is Trump that they're roasting at times in this show. No,
1: no, it's just at the beginning where they make fun of his tweets, <laughs> where he says like, it's like "You'll see." Yeah, you'll see a tweet about it soon. (laughs) Yeah. I think he says boobs on the moon or something. (laughs) Yeah. Our president. Boobs on the moon. (laughs) And I think they make fun of his wife, too, with the uniforms when they start going through all that. But they don't.
0: Yeah, but those those uniforms were excessively gaudy and just terrible.
1: (laughs) Throwback to the Revolutionary War, man. It's like, Jesus Christ. But I did I did like how they reserved their criticism, like you said, because I think it's just so easy to poke fun at uh, our president. And, you know, if you want to watch people do it, it's on SNL 24-7. But I think, so, you know, any talk show host does it. So, I don't know. At times, for me, it just it gets overdone. And when it's overdone, it kind of loses its wit. So, it's nice to actually see comedy written where they take a chance and make fun of other things It's just a little bit more challenging i think as a writer instead of going for the easy layup
0: right we're not allowed to kind of sit in the satire and really think about it because we may get a scene where naird is sitting with the congressional uh delegation and then the next he's getting a phone call from his dad You know, who's, you know, freaking out. It's like, I can't find your mom. She wandered off again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. His dad played uh, hilariously by the late, great uh, Mr. Fred Willard.
1: Mm Hmm. That was just awesome. I didn't know how uh, old Fred Willard actually was until I found out he recently passed. 86 years old. It was like, holy crap. That guy aged. I thought he looked
0: good for his age. Yeah. Aged gracefully.
1: Yep. 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 That was a good uh, casting, too. It's just funny. (laughs) Where's the remote? Like, what? Why are you calling?
0: No, but you mentioned earlier some uh, similarities between Mark Naird and Michael Scott. And that was one of the things I've noticed, too, because they really marketed this show as being... You know, the brainchild of Steve Carell and Greg Daniels, who was the creator of the American version of The Office. And obviously there are going to be some similarities between Steve Carell's most famous role in any comedy role that he does afterwards. But to me, I thought the role of Mark Naird was a much more digestible and watchable character as opposed to Michael Scott.
1: Yep. So I'm glad you said that because that's how I felt as well. I've seen The Office. I've seen all nine seasons. Um, I am one of those people where just I felt Michael Scott and a lot of the episodes was so unbearably stupid. It was almost borderline offensive, and at times it, it just his growth and writing as a character would just take too long. So I would actually get end up being bored with him on the screen and with him and this Mark Naird, Um, It was 10 episodes, but you actually see a shift in who he is as a person, and he actually is like a human being. He's not just this off-the-wall, over-the-top offensive guy. Like He actually cares about his job and... Is handling so many, like, balancing so many uh, plates. And I think they really nailed him down. Steve Carell did a great job. It's It definitely feels like he's worked through the role, and he didn't want to do the same thing as in the office. So he found a much more mature, like, this is a mature uh, Steve Carell. <laughs> you know, this is a ma- more mature Michael Scott.
0: No, I, I absolutely agree. I think there were... I think it's in the very first season of The Office where Michael Scott is trying to, like, make people comfortable with stereotypes and gets up in Mindy Kaling's face and just says the most horrible things you could ever say to a person, you know, of Indian descent. And she just full on slaps him right in the face. And I thought, yeah, that is absolutely something I would do if I had a boss who was saying stuff like that to me. And I I have said this before like i i have never encountered a michael scott in the workplace no but i have absolutely run into a general nerd in my walks of life
1: yeah same i've i've I, I agree with that i've felt i've seen the same in the army and in real life as well he's much more realistic which will be interesting when we talk about the current reviews later on cuz ooh ooh some good stuff coming up oh man <laughs> But definitely I I totally agree with you. I don't um I don't get the fan hatred for him cuz he was great, you know. You actually see I for his characters, that's what I want to see when I watch a show, a nice progression and development and where they actually change and for the better and it impacts the story in a brilliant way.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really kind of a um a subtle performance by Steve Carell, considering he has all these things that he is juggling. And you especially in the very first episode where literally everything is crashing down around him. The rocket blew up. The congressional <laughs> delegation wants to leave. His wife is in prison and he takes those five minutes to himself yeah. in his office and sings Beach Boys Kokomo.
1: <laughs> that scene is so great
0: i totally yeah it's so stupid but it's so great you just see him staring out the window like okay what is he doing and then you hear kokomo start playing
1: (laughs) brilliant just brilliant (laughs) i was dying of laughter at that Oh, you know along with steve carell being uh his performance in this what did you think of john malkovich
0: i am now convinced that john malkovich should try and go for an oscar type performance because he has enough clout behind his name and everybody knows how great of an actor he is but for a lot of people he kind of fits into one or two categories he either plays his roles really deadpan to great effect or he's just maniacally crazy and in each of his roles. <laughs> and it's been a long time where we've actually seen John Malkovich be an actor and not an insane person on screen.
1: Yeah, where he just
0: becomes like a caricature of himself like William Shatner. <laughs> right. And he's again, he's another one who plays a very subtle performance and it's it's a later episode where we actually find out that Dr. Mallory is gay because I think it was the episode The Spy where they they, turns out they were duped or they they lost the jump on a a rocket design um, and they start going through all these encrypted files and then he finds one that uh, dr mallory recorded for jerome one of the lunar habitats and turns out it's like this this cheesy little love song that's now played for the entire control room for everybody to see and it, it really outs dr mallory and he really he could have played that part I mean much more angrier than he did but he did not I mean he and the same goes for Steve Carell he played it very calmly he realized he messed up and he got into somebody's personal business when he shouldn't have and it was a great moment between those two characters
1: yeah they definitely they grew so much from that moment and I agree I agree everything he John Malkovich, that was such a great episode (laughs) where you're like, oh my God, is he going to really quit? Because that's kind of the running gag throughout the series that Dr. Mallory is just, he's so done with uh, Mark Naird. (laughs) At any moment, he's ready to walk out, but as their relationship grows and everything, they, they become buds. They become really the best of friends, and it's great. They're like the odd couple. I love it.
0: Yeah, they even, they even joke together about going tie shopping over the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and I agree with you, with John Malkovich. I think he is, him and Carell are just great highlight of the series that really pushes it. Like, he just, as an actor, it made me appreciate his depth and how, how far of a range he actually has. And it makes me wish that John Malkovich was cast in more things like this, where he where he is like serious and he dusts off the acting chops as opposed to just being crazy like in the line of fire and biting down on Clint Eastwood's gun.
0: Yeah, or um uh those uh red films with Bruce Willis <laughs> where he plays an insane ex CIA assassin
1: yeah. <laughs> running at people with bunnies and bombs and all that.
0: Yeah, he 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 really should deserve more opportunities to flex his acting chops. So, Hollywood, get on that. Cast John Malkovich in more good things
1: because <laughs> he's a hell of an actor. So this next topic, uh, you brought it towards, you brought it up before the show and I didn't even know that this was happening. So, uh, please Chris, inform the viewers about what is currently going on right at this moment.
0: (laughs) This is too funny to have been made up because it's so absolutely perfect of a, like the nature of the show and b the satire the satirical nature that it takes under the administration. So Netflix ordered a full series of Space Force back in January 2019. And that around that same time, they filed the trademark for Space Force. And it's pretty much trademarks are essential. So de- it determines like who gets the money on merchandise and, and whatnot. And the plans for Space Force were initially unveiled By the Trump administration in March 2018, which, again, you could literally hear the collective eye roll (laughs) amongst the military branches and general population. (laughs) But it really it did not get formed until December 2019. It was part of a, a defense authorization act that was signed by Trump. So it was formed and the logo was unveiled. But the Department of Defense dropped the ball on registering for the trademark before Netflix could. So, Netflix kind of owns the title Space Force right now. (laughs) And given how attention-hungry this administration is, this just seems like an additional boneheaded move in a long history of boneheaded (laughs) moves.
1: It's just just perfect, man. Really? He couldn't get the freaking trademark down? Like, what an idiot. How do you unveil something well, in, and then sleep on it for almost two years, try to get the trademark and be like, what?
0: It's not available?
1: Like no one would have tried? Come on, man. Uh.
0: <laughs> well, in in the Department of Defense, they've scooped up just about everything you could think of term-wise to trademark, from everything from Special Forces to NORAD tracking Santa. The def- The Department of Defense has gotten their hands on every single military related trademark they can possibly get so it's just fascinating to me that they dropped the ball Well, on maybe this. they thought he would be impeached
1: so they're like all right cheeto man you talk about space force you're gonna you know they didn't actually lay out the plan until it was like recently yeah. and then they went oh <laughs> crap this is actually happening
0: yeah, I don't think anybody took it seriously until it happened and then the the Star Trek logo was unveiled for it. Oh,
1: oh yeah. Well, I mean, have you seen the commercial for the new Space Force
0: recruiting? You know, you were you know ragging on the air force earlier. It's kind of like what the air force does when they recruit people. And you know, it's like, oh yeah, you can be pilots, but turns out like only two percent of the recruits get to become pilots. The rest become like mechanics and weather forecasters and yeah. cooks and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. The people that very few, very few of you will actually get to fly on a plane.
1: <laughs> exactly. Most space force people will be sitting behind a desk with the computer <laughs> just like NASA.
0: Yeah, well, there's also speculation that this could end up in like a, as a courtroom battle, but given how the first amendment has protections for things like parody and satire, it's very unlikely that uh, the the trademark will just revert back to the Department of Defense just because like no. hey, we forgot to do it.
1: <laughs> no. No way. <laughs> so they'll have to (laughs) what will they do burn the flag up jk we're actually the space force or maybe i don't i don't
0: i don't think anything is gonna really come of it i think netflix is just gonna i think netflix will just allow the military to use space force you know no no issue there because i mean do you really want to get into a court room fight with the government over the title of a tv show
1: (laughs) no probably not and who knows what's going to happen anyways right
0: right i think i mean it depending on how the election goes i think this could wind up in the courtroom but it also depends on if there is an additional season made for the show
1: exactly and that's a good question if if there will be uh speaking of so there was like a lot of uh, criticism with this show. With criticism, we usually talk about lens flares. Was there any lens flare for you in this?
0: You know, for me, I have to go with Nerd's daughter. Not so much the fact that she's in the show, because she does have a lot of, you know, good moments, humorous moments. There's a lot of opportunities for the audience to connect with her, being that she's, you know, a fish out of water. She's lonely in high school. But the fact that she's dating. The Russian spy Bobby, <laughs> whose real name is Yuri, and her father doesn't put up much of a fight to, like, get her to stop doing this. She doesn't. He doesn't punish her. He doesn't take away her phone, and he also doesn't try and put Bobby in any sort of low-level position in Space Force where he doesn't have access to such sensitive information. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, in retrospect, the scene is fun to watch, but. Bobby is in Nair's office asking for plans for some type of fuel injector and about twenty minutes later Nair gets a text message saying, Show Bobby the rocket thing. <laughs> it's like Bobby is Bobby is clearly a spy, yeah. a Russian spy, who's dating his daughter, and yet he doesn't do anything about it. Nothing. And I refuse to I refuse to accept the whole idea that, well, he can't really do anything because you know, it's a joint cooperation between the Russian and American government. Like, no, it's his military branch. It's his base. He can absolutely do something about it if he chose to do so.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll agree with that. That's definitely, that's, yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) I would say that is pretty much my, uh, yeah, that would be my lens flare as well. Other than like, it wasn't the song that John Malkovich, uh, I guess the song was kind of cringy to me with him like coming out. Uh, And it's not that the song is cringy because it is a really beautiful, tender moment. But it's just like the man in me like cringed because I'm like, oh, you're showing such uh, feelings. And it's so embarrassing. I would want to hide under a rock if a video like that was released. So uh, that was going to be my lens flare just because it made me feel uncomfortable. But it is a beautiful moment. It's just my No the the my psyche.
0: The better romantic subplot in the show was between Chan and Kath and Ali, but it's only is it's only really developed in the last two or three episodes and we don't get much of a chance to explore that before boom this the season is over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty quick ending. I don't know if uh that was due to COVID or not.
0: No, I don't think so, because they filmed the series Last year, before everything kind of, before the the Rona hit the universe the and Rona. <laughs> the Rona, <laughs> so uh, um, I think it was just a uh, you know a missed opportunity by the writers to really expand on that romance between those two characters.
1: Oh yeah, well I mean there's just so much to the the groundwork for this series was just so much to put in that you know I I, I don't blame them. It took. Up until the eighth episode, really, for him to visit his wife and get all that in, it would just be it would just be too much. And it ended the series ends on a cliffhanger too, like with uh, they finally get to space and their whole mission is to attack the Chinese that are on the space. So they take their wrenches and break apart the Chinese space station space habitat. And then when they get back, the Chinese did the same thing to the Americans. So there it ends kind of on a cliffhanger where they're like what do we do now <gasps> do you oh boy. do you see the series getting picked up for another season
0: It's difficult to say right now um I mean Netflix really doesn't announce any of that until maybe you know two or three months after the series has been made available but I don't think it's gonna get picked up for another series I mean, it only holds a 40% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 47 on Metacritic. So reviews on it have been really kind of lukewarm at best.
1: Yeah, and I don't know why I felt the series was great. You know, it was very digestible, watchable. It's not like this transcended thing, but it's... I, could, I don't understand why so many people poo-pooed it and said it was this... I think I read some reviews where they said Steve Carell's character was just so offensive and... No person in the military would ever act like that, and he was just out of his el- you know, his element. I'm like, uh, you guys, did you see The Office? You love The Office. Why is this? What? What?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Greg Daniels was involved with it, Steve Carell, so a lot of people, I think, were just looking for, a, you know, an office clone. And in many respects, Space Force is that, mm-hmm. but it's much more evolved and... I would I would argue more high level than the office is totally. because it, it it's there's so much satire involved in it. there's really there's not enough satire to go around in the show in my opinion, but it's it's a more like you were saying, it's a more evolved version of Michael Scott and the anticipation behind that really kind of let people down, I think, which is why, pro tip for from Chris up, you should never amp your anticipation of watching anything because you're inevitably going to be let down.
1: Yeah, and that's why Suicide Squad has bombed. <laughs> why that movie? That's why so many films bomb because you just think it's supposed to be something and it doesn't, you know, like a Star Wars movie. Yeah,
0: looking at you, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs>
1: All right. So with that, do you want any other comments before we get into our review?
0: No. Let's uh let's let's talk about our review. So, being that this is a recent release, it is on Netflix. We obviously don't have the option to own it. So with that, we amend our reviewing categories a little bit. So, we we're gonna call this a would not stream, would stream, or would host a viewing party. So, Sean, on our unique scale for this episode of Force Fed Sci-Fi, what do you give to Space Force?
1: <laughs> for Space Force, I would host a streaming party. Um, I really. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love the series. Uh, especially being in the military it was kind. Of, it's always fun whenever I watch films, or anything media military related, because I get to see how great of a job they did with all the just the things that we utilize how their uniforms are etc and i also really with this series i really enjoyed just the writing was great the satire was great the acting characters um you get to see actual progress and it doesn't take a million years to do it or it's not you know like you said with the office where you get 25 episodes in a season and it just takes so freaking long to see any change. Um, it's It was a nice, tight cast. And characters grew. And, you know, it, to me, it caught my attention. And I got a good chuckle. And that's all really, if I'm going to consume media, that's all I could ever ask for. Something short, sweet, to the point. Makes you laugh. Tells a good story. Has great themes. And boom, it's done. As opposed to being just overdone. So with that. I loved it. I thought it was great. I hope they have a second season, but it probably won't due to the reviews. How about you, Chris?
0: <laughs> you know, I I'm gonna come in just under you. I would call Space Force a wood stream. Then my opinion the series starts off really strong. We've got two really great episodes. And however, most of the episodes just kind of seem to run into each other and there are some really great elements that are introduced in the second half of the series of the series, but it's really too late for them to have any type of resonance with the audience. But it's Steve Carell and John Malkovich that really kind of save the series overall with their performances. They have great chemistry. They have great back and forth, great dialogue with each other, very funny moments and also some very tender moments that are thrown in there. So they really do their part to salvage the comedy and the season and i stand by my rating for that
1: (laughs) i stand by it that's right well outstanding chris i love it
0: so that is our take on space force and with all of that said we're gonna go back to our friendly random number generator ai major samantha to help us pick our next episode oh
1: she's uh she's finally back from vacation
0: yeah, she had a good long break, but she's ready to pick our next movie for us.
1: <laughs> All right, Major Samantha, let's hear it, baby.
0: All right, so from our list of 118 films, Major Samantha has selected number 88. It is a film from 2018, directed and starring John Krasinski as well as Emily Blunt. It is A Quiet Place.
1: Oh, snap. Really? That's a sci fi movie? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Sweet. Well, aliens. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm down. Let's do it.
0: All right. I'm looking forward to watching that one. It's been a minute since I've watched it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it every time. So, if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. That's the best place to do it. And it really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Force Sci Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the Force Fed Sci Fi team, We'll see you next time. Force Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kasky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.